Okay, for those who probably is with us for the first time, um, we're going through the book of Corinthians. Last week, David Brown took us through chapter one, so he gave an uh, introduction about the book, the many problems that the Corinth church has been going through and so forth. And the week before that, um, Thomas took us through chapter two about the division in the church. So this week, as Evelyn's just read, I'm going to take us through the continuation of chapter one, verse 18 to 31, which Evelyn just read. And um, yeah, this section is really the contrast of um, the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. So hopefully, as we walk through these verses, hopefully we can see whose wisdom that we're identifying with. So um, yeah, verse 18, as we see, um, verse 13, sorry, 18 tells us, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, with this verse, sorry, hold on one sec. We rewind, okay, before we go to verse 18, right? Let me just give you a little quiz, right? Maybe just wake you up a little bit anyway, right? What I want to start with is a question, right, to see how you do in answering five questions. They're either going to be true or false, and you'll grade your own answers, all right? So you don't need a pen or a pencil, you just figure it out in your head, okay? So I'm going to ask you five questions, they'll be on the screen as well, dear. So, first question. First century churches were free of conflicts, quarrels, and cliques. So, just in your own head, you know, is that true or false? All right, well, no, right, no problem. You can shout it out. That's fine as well, all right? Second question, right? No church founded by Paul ever struggled with man worship or immorality or marital problems. True or false? You can shout that one out as well, then. Okay, false, you're doing well. All right, sound biblical teaching and the exercise of spiritual gifts are sufficient to keep a church free from carnality. Yeah, false, all right? Yeah, they are important, obviously, but it doesn't really keep the church from carnality. Probably the way it was written, the way I wrote it. All right, number four. Love always flows freely from an assembly of well-taught Christians. True or false? false okay some people may hesitant was a bit hesitant with that but yeah and the final one affluence guarantees generosity a wealthy church is always a giving church true or false that's correct now that's the Corinth church and um, Paul addresses a lot of these things as we're gonna go and David's gonna take us through the book of Corinthians but remember that that was just a quick little quiz for you all well you know Corinth was a large international metropolis filled with people from different backgrounds, you know, kind of like us here at Redeemer and also in London. There was idol worship to gods such as Aphrodite, was particularly prominent in the city, though Corinth contained numerous temptations far beyond her temples. In this sense, Corinth was very much like a modern urban area, containing unending opportunities to engage in sinful behavior without any apparent consequences. This can sound very familiar and um, sometimes mirror our experience here in London. So, okay, verse 18, where I originally started. So this verse now, right, we see, 
Yeah. There are two categories here. Which one do you identify with? So Paul speaks to the Corinthians church and he says to them, this is based on verse 17, if we was to back up. So do have your Bibles or on your app or follow it in the Bible. It's always good to follow, um, just to have God's word in right context. Verse, verse 17, Paul says, right, for Christ did not send me to baptize because, you know, earlier on there was a little bit of um, division where people following various leaders and so forth. And he addresses that matter. Some were saying they follow Apollos, one of the Greek speakers, some Peter and some Paul and obviously some Jesus, which we should all be following Jesus. So he addresses that. But then he goes in verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. So he's helping them to see there's only one Lord, you know, and it's Jesus they're looking for. Then he goes into 18 and starts telling them that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And attending church globally at times, you know, there, there's usually categories at times, you know, many people can attend church for years on end. Some people come to church because they like the social atmosphere of church. They like the fellowship, they like the warmth, they like many things, but they still do not know Jesus Christ. And it's paramount, you know, as Paul is saying, the message of the cross, the message of the cross for believers, those who believe in Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, we will see later on again in verse 23, you know, he says, we preach Christ crucified, but the message of the cross, let's be clear, it's, it's, it's sinners, it's God's creation. Every single one in here is God's creation, but it's God's creation. As sure as I can stand here before you right now, I know in my heart, there's many things that I would like to do that would be really pleasing unto God or even pleasing unto other people because I can do it at a really high standard. Often I fall short. Many times again, there's things in this world that I desire not to do because it's not good. It's not beneficial to me or others, and more so it's not pleasing to God. At times, I can fall into that place where, you know, I, I, I know I should have a better standard. Now, God has created man and woman. He, he's called, created us out of flesh. We're all similar the same. If I know that about myself, I know we all stand before God on that same platform. We all stand before the living God who created us on that same platform. And what that is called, the Bible says called sin, but basically simple terms, right? It means that we just have things that we do that we consider as right in our own eyes. And before a holy God, a just God, a righteous God who calls us to be in a right relationship with him, he wants us to understand he created the heavens and earth. He created mankind and he has called us to live and walk a life in union and fellowship with him. Now, the message of the cross is acknowledging, first of all, that we are imperfect beings and we all need a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ who came down upon this earth and he demonstrated all that only God can do. He gave sight to those who was blind. He rose up those who was dead. He done miraculous works. He done all things that only God could do. 
then the Bible tells us the wages for our sins, for our wrongdoings that is not in right standing with God is death. That means when you die, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you will live, live eternally separated from him. So the Bible explains we were children of wrath. Jesus came and took the wrath of man. He took our wrongdoing upon himself. He died. He died on a cross. He was buried. He was dead as dead can be. But on the first, the third day, he rose again to newness of life. There was many witnesses. And then he sits at the right hand of the Father and he says, anybody that believes in him, that puts their trust in him, shall be saved. This is the gospel. This is the message of the cross that Paul is talking about, that he's preached. And this is the message that the Corinthians church heard. This is the message that we preach here in Redeemer Queens Park Church. So again, as the question I pose, the question I say, forgive me, the two categories, which category do you sit in? And I would say it would be good to take heed to really consider this question. So when he answers this question, he does go on to say, the message is foolishness to those who are perishing. Why would that be foolish to those who are perishing? Well, the message of the cross to the world, to those who seek status, to those who seek to get ahead in life and to live a prominent life, a victorious life that the world tries to offer. The message of the cross is filled with useful, sorry, the message of the cross will never be filled with useful tips for victorious living according to the world. But though as believers, it is filled with many tips for useful living. I can testify to that. It also to the world, it will never offer the five steps towards a happier life and a more fulfilling marriage or a more happy, sorry, or a more rewarding job, as important as all these things are. At the same time, I will testify, the Bible gives us many good tips for all of these things, but according to the world, they do not see that. The message of the cross will not help you gain the winning edge. It will not help you to live your best life now as some consider their best life, whatever that might look like. And that's why the message of the cross can be seen as foolish to those within the world. To be truthful though, to believers though, all of these things that the world consider the message of the cross does not do, I will testify it does do. It helps us to live in the way that God called and created us and told us to live. Today, the world of every age, you know, whether this age or the age before or even the age to come, the message of the cross to the world will continually seem foolishness or folly to them indeed. Of what use they might consider, after all, is a death on a cross. You know, what use is a death on a cross? If Jesus wanted to be useful in the eyes of the world, he would have come down from that cross and continued healing the sick and raising the dead. That's, that's a reasonable question. That's what people would say. Why would he die on a cross? Why doesn't he come down and heal people today? There's many needs. He would not have simply hung on a cross quietly bearing the sins of all humanity, even unto death. This is not very useful in the eyes of the world. But we see verse 19 to 21. Paul says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. 
the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. He says to them as he speaks to the church, where is the wise person, the wise person in the world? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Now, we, we know out in society, you have many people who claim to have great wisdom and, and wisdom is a good thing, so there's nothing wrong with that. There is people out there with some good human wisdom who helps to give us insight into various things, business, education, and just the way you conduct yourself. So that's all good, there's nothing wrong with that. Verse 20, where is the teacher of the law? We know the Pharisees, the scribes, you know, they're the teacher of the law, you know, under the old confidence, they have God's words, you know, but where are they now? Where is the philosopher, the Greek philosophers who speak fanciful things, you know, that really make your ears awaken to what they're saying? Now, in this day and age, I suppose we have many people that fit these types. We have on social media, we have many bloggers. We have um, reputable people on TV, you know, who influence and have big audiences where people flock. Millions of people flock to listen to them, whether social media, whether tuning into YouTube or, or the TV channels. But Paul says to them, where are they? There's these self-confessed self -confessed people who seems to have it all and seems that they have so much knowledge. But again, where are they? Where are they? In their minds, making sense of the gospel is folly. It doesn't make sense because it doesn't advance their purpose and their intention in going forward in life. So, where are they? The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Since the world did not know God through wisdom, God found another way, or rather, God made a way. You can't find your way to salvation. That's something you just cannot do with your own intellect. You can't figure it out yourself and figure this is the way it goes. This is what makes sense. Because we're all on the same platform before our living God. We're all sinners. We're all marred. We all need a savior. And the only way to receive that salvation is through putting our trust and believing in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your savior. In other words, you can't learn your way to heaven. Not through wisdom, not through insight, not through intelligence. You know, though, as I said, these are all good things, of course, but, but they will never save you, no matter how intelligent you are. Sometimes they might even get in the way, possibly. Education, money, power and status, all of these things can get in the way because they can tempt us to trust ourselves in what we've achieved and what we've gained. We can consider, look what I've achieved, look what I've earned, look what I've done. So you trust in your own ability. These things are okay. So, you know, education is great. Money's fine. You know, all of these things is fine, but you know, it takes great humility to have great power and have these things and use them in the right way. We all have our moments when we are tempted to believe that more is needed than the simple word of God. More is needed than simply the message of the cross. Sometimes do you think that? Do you consider, you know, you hear God's word, but sometimes do you consider, maybe I need to do this, you add this or you add that. You need to do something that does not really, you know, define what God's word says you should do. So we all do think like that possibly at times, but it's not true. 
No more is needed. Christ crucified is everything. Jesus paid the price. He done everything to invite us to be in a one relationship with God. And this is what Paul communicates to the church. It is all that is needed. It is not just the power of God, but also it is the wisdom of God also. But the only way to begin to see it is to be humble ourselves before God and his sovereign, powerful word. Today, you and I are being invited through this foolish message as the world's continued foolish to become fools again according to the world's and to humble, humbly let ourselves be taught and led by the simple word of God, the message of the cross, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So sections 22 now to 25, Paul communicates to them following from verse 19, carrying on, he says, Jews demand signs and Greeks looks for wisdom. I mean, how much more signs do the Jews need to see? When Jesus walked about in Jerusalem for three years, how much more signs do they need to see? They heard about him feeding 5,000 people. They heard about Lazarus being rose from the dead and they even went there to witness. They, they, they heard about the, the, the crippled man who wasn't able to walk, then he was walking and then he went to the temple and they excommunicated him because, you know, they didn't want to accept that Jesus did that. How many more signs do they need? Luke 15 or 16 tells us about um, Lazarus, the beggar and the rich man. And then when the rich man dies, he goes to Hades. And Lazarus, when he dies, he goes to Abraham's bosom. Then the rich man in Hades, he says, please let me go back to earth to talk to my five brothers because then they will believe. They demand signs. As, as God said to um, the man who was in Hades, even if he went back to earth, they're still not going to believe you. The gospel is a gospel of faith. It's something where you trust and just know you need a savior. You are imperfect. You do not have all the answers. This wonderful, beautiful earth that we dwell on with the beautiful sun in the universe, then the moon in the universe and the earth there, all rotating in order. There has to be a creator who loves us and makes himself known to us. And he invites us all to come and reach out to him and trust in him through his son, Jesus Christ. So they ask for signs. Greeks look for wisdom. In Corinth in that time, they look for wisdom. The great philosophers, again, Christ has made wisdom unto them, but they still did not see that. But verse 23 but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolish to Gentiles, foolishness to them. But as it says in verse 24, but to those whom God has called, now that's important. Each and everyone in here today who trust and believe in the Lord realize God has called them, God calls. And, and we know in the Bible, many are called but few are chosen. We know in, in, in the book of Timothy as well, it's God's desire that none perishes. So let's not be mistaken. God is calling all of his creation to salvation. None is exempt, none is excluded. He calls each and every one 
to come into right relationship with him through trusting and believing in Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Saviour. And Christ is the power of God. The message of the cross is, first of all, the power of God. The Greek word for power is dynamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. It is also the word in Greek for miracle. The message of the cross, in other words, is as powerful as dynamite and is the greatest of all miracles. Why? Because it is the only event that has ever defeated the most powerful and most unavoidable force on earth, and that is death. What is more powerful than death? What is the one thing that money can never, sorry, what is the one, what is the one thing that money can never defeat? That politics can never overcome. That awaits us all, it's inevitable. No matter how powerful we are, death comes to us all. Jesus performed many miracles. As we all know, he healed many people, as I said before, cast out many demons and even raised people from the dead. But they all died. They all got sick again, or they just died. Well, sorry, not sure about they got sick again. He healed them, so maybe they didn't get sick again, right? Sorry, I contradict myself, yeah? All right, so maybe they didn't get sick, but they all, but they all died, you know, but they'll have everlasting life if they trust and they believe in him. Every miracle he performed on earth was temporary, except one. The greatest miracle of all, the most powerful event of all, Christ crucified, God's son dying for the sins of this world, dying to defeat sin, death, and the devil. The message of the cross is the power of God. For this reason, the greatest power and the greatest expression of love. Without the empty tomb, of course, the cross would not be these things. The empty tomb proves that the message of the cross is the power of God. But the empty tomb could not happen until Jesus died on the cross. That is foolish. That is a foolish message at the heart of why we are here today and every Saturday. Sorry. Yeah, well, to the world, that is the foolish message why we are here today as we come every Saturday to listen to the message of the cross, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So I said, it's foolish and folly to the world, but it's the power of God to those who believe. So, verse 26 to 29, we see as God speaks to the church again, he, he introduces and said, brothers and sisters, you know, we're, we're a family. All those that come into the house of God, we all address God as Father. He's our Father. He looks upon us as siblings, as brothers and sisters. So he looks to us and he calls upon us as brothers and sisters. He says, brothers and sisters to him. He said, think of what you were when you was called. See again, he called you. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. Important now, verse 27, he goes on to say, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And again, there's nothing wrong with wise. He said, not many of you, verse 26, were wise. So of course, there were some people that was wise who still got called. 
there were some people that were influential and there were some people that was noble, but not many in terms of, according to the world standard with, you know, that high reputable status. So God's foolish wisdom is also displayed. Sorry. Yes. So we, we see that God's foolish wisdom is also displayed by whom he has chosen for salvation. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Listen, in selecting a team, the criteria often used includes a person's ability, right? It often used, you know, a person's ability and their status and history of their success. However, the world's measure of success is different from God's. God does not require intelligence, ability, power or status to become a believer. He just invites you to come as you are. Those who come to Christ are on God's, are in God's team and on his term. By grace you have been saved through faith. That's Ephesians 2.8. God chooses the foolish in the world to shame the wise. And, and, and we see this theme in the Bible. We go back to the Old Testament. Moses was highly educated in Egypt, had the best education. But in his heart, he just felt this is not the right place for me. Right? He saw his people he identified with suffering and he stepped out of luxury, a prominent position. He killed someone, then he had to flee for his life. He became a shepherd boy out in Midian there, you know, no one of any significance, just a shepherd's boy. God chose him. When God chose him and told him once to go and send him in to, to free the slaves in um, Egypt, what did he say? I can't even speak. God still used him though. He used his brother to speak for him. What about Joseph? Joseph come from a reasonably good family, but a dysfunctional family, a family where his brothers wanted to murder him. He was charged with sexual harassment and he was put in prison. Imagine how he felt. Usually in prisons, you know, sexual offence are probably the worst things that a person can be in prison for. Look down and despise, look down as lowly. God chose him and used him. How about Rahab? Harlot, prostitute. Who would want to look on her? God used her. She trusted in Yahweh. Her name's even in the Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. She's no one of significant. She was a harlot. What about Ruth? Ruth's a Moabitess, you know? The Israelis look down on that lot. They're not as prominent as us. God used her. She became the great, great grandmother of our Lord. No, not our Lord. She became the great, great grandmother of, sorry, King David. How about King David now? King David, we know him to be a man after God's own heart, right? But remember in Samuel, when, when Samuel went to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons, right? Jesse calls all of his sons, I think he had eight of them, but he called all seven of his sons, you know, probably the ones he figured, he's handsome, he's looking good and everything, right? Samuel comes along to anoint one of them. Samuel's like, no, it's none of these seven, none of these. Where was David? He was in the field looking after sheep. 
he didn't even come into his dad's mind. His brothers probably didn't even say, Dad, what about David? He weren't even in the thinking. But David was anointed as king. That's in the Old Testament. In the, in the New Testament, we see, what about the lowly fishermen? They're fishermen. Manual labor, jump on a ship, throw a rope in the water. Probably you have to be skillful to know where the fish are and everything, but you know, manual labor. Andrew, sorry, Peter and his brother Andrew were called, and also brothers James and John. Paul was a well-educated and gifted man, but also a murderer, despised and considered low by the Christians. But look what God does with all of them. Causes them to be his trophies, vessels of grace, so no one can say, look what I've done. But instead, they will all humbly say, look at what God has done. And there lies God's wisdom. We are to acknowledge and humbly say, look at what God has done in and through our lives. And it's all for his glory, his honour and his praise alone. Christ crucified is where the power of God and the wisdom of God is to be found. It is where salvation is to be found. It is where eternal life is to be found. And there is no power or wisdom greater in all the world than what is found in the cross of Christ. And blessed are all who believe and trust in the message of the cross, the most beautiful message of all. Thanks be to God. This message of the cross we have been given is the wonderful opportunity to preach Christ crucified to those who are perishing around the Queen's Park area in this borough. We are looking at organising a monthly outreach ministry for all willing in the body of Christ here at Redeemer to partake in. So please look out and listen out for that. You'll probably hear more about that um, at the members meeting sometime. We desire, as Evelyn prayed, to be a light, to be about God's mission. The world may well, yeah, look, when they see us and we interact with some of them, walk straight past, you know, as they do. But I can witness and testify, once upon a time that was me, before I knew Jesus Christ, if somebody tried to stop me with the gospel, I'm with the majority of the crowd trying to duck and get past. That was just foolishness. I don't interact with them. I don't understand that. It's not going to prosper me and where I want to go in life. But that was God's wisdom when I thought I had the wisdom what the world had to offer. But it was foolishness. So listen out for that as you'll hear more about it in time. And again, if anyone is sitting here and hearing this message and does not know if they are being saved or if they are saved, can I encourage you to come and speak to me or one of the elders after the service? We'd all love to journey with you wherever you consider yourself to be. Non-bias or discrimination, we love you all in here. So slide seven now, we look at this. I saw this in the week on the news, all right? Imagine this, God's providence and sovereignty, right? Me and my wife was watching the news and the newscaster was reading and talking outside there. Then someone come by with a plaque and look, look what he says, you know, repent and everything. Imagine this, I'm sure the TV man would have wanted to shut him off, but you know, he probably the person might have followed him. But within all of that, right, the world would probably consider the sign and the message foolishness. What's that man doing? 
But I believe with the millions of people watching the news, because you know millions watch that, right? God in his providence probably got someone's attention and they've probably, God willing, hopefully, turned to him in repentance and faith and are now being saved. This could be you if you've not already done that already. So we, we, we see Paul talking to the church and he makes it clear that, you know, they're called and they are chosen. So we come to these last verses now, verse 30 and verse 31. True wisdom belongs to the believers. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is truly something to rejoice in and be glad in. And we can boast, but we boast in the Lord. It's something which, um, the next slide, Jeremiah makes clear to us. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, says it like this. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows, that he understands and knows me. That's a personal thing. It's wonderful as believers because we are known, we are known and God has made himself known to us. But we are known by God, and God has made himself known to us. So the boasting comes in that we understand and know God. You know him, you know his nature, you know who he is. And it goes on to say that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love. We are all supposed to testify to that. We often get things wrong. We often do things we might not intend to do. But God displays his steadfast love towards us. And in return as children, we are to display that steadfast love to others. His justice, his righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight, declares the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, 17 to 18 also goes on to say, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Hallelujah. So with saying all of that, the last slide, how does this all relate to us? So the application and the take away from this. We know the message is foolishness to those who are perishing, but hopefully it will encourage you to still seek opportunities and trust in the power of God that's working through you to allow you to be able to still proclaim and share and plant seeds and water seeds so people will hear this good news. But the takeaway, rest assured, you are called and chosen by a loving, faithful, all-powerful God. That is something that gives us an assurance. This is God's work in our lives. Rest assured in that. The gospel, the message of the cross, is often foolishness, folly to those who are perishing. But we are still called to proclaim this good news because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And it's my prayer we will all say what Paul says in Romans 1.16, we are not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation unto all those who believe. And finally, with all what God has done, with his calling on our life, with him choosing us, all what he has done and all what he continues to do now for the reason you are in this room today 
God has done a work to have you here today that you can hear good news and hear that he loves you and he's calling you into a relationship with him. I would encourage us as best as we can to daily seek to give God all the glory he alone deserves because based on the final verse 13 it says again because he because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness holiness and redemption so to God be the glory and the honor and the praise let me pray Father God, we thank you that this message that the world considers to be foolishness to us, Lord, who are being saved, it is your power that works within us. Lord, we heard about Christ being crucified. Thank you that you made this truth known unto us. Help us, Lord, likewise, that when we meet those who are stumbling, those, Lord, who consider this to be foolish, help us, Lord, to be courageous, being those who you have called, those who you have chosen, to be able, Lord, to speak with courage and boldness so that you could be known and glorified. So, Lord, may your word that we've heard today continue to work in our lives, Lord, May we be affirmed through your word and Lord help us that we would continue to seek to live for you to be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>